Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week, my producer Miranda and I explore the top stories making waves in the news, and some that are just plain interesting. We connect you with the journalists and people who know the story, and bring you news without the noise, so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, we will be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. There was a huge day for science this past week as astronomers captured the first image of a black hole. It was a photo released from the Event Horizon Telescope, and it's really the first look at a black hole from the M87 galaxy. It's reportedly 6.5 billion times the mass of our sun and thought to be almost the size of our entire solar system. It's just uh, amazing. We had never seen anything like this before. It's not a direct picture because with a black hole, you can never see anything in it, matter or light. It's inescapable from that black hole. So it's really just a shadow of the black hole. We spoke to Miriam Kramer, space reporter at Axios, for this amazing development and what it means for our understanding of space and gravity. This is a big deal, years in the making. There was a big announcement around the world. I think there were a few different press conferences happening on a couple of different continents, and they all unveiled this really incredible image for scientists that that just shows that our guesses about what black holes look like and their nature are, are correct, at least as far as we can tell for now. This photo was taken by the Event Horizon Telescope, which is really just a bunch of different telescopes all around the world, and they gathered all their data together to get this image here. So how does that work? These telescopes around the world, I think it was eight of them, looked into the sky at the same time at the same target, and they had atomic clocks to basically line up their observations so that they were all looking at the the right thing at the right time. And they took these images and collected them at their various telescope sites. And then because the files were actually so large, they had to ship them to a central place where they were then sorted by supercomputer and created this image from that. So the files were so huge that they actually couldn't even be sent over the internet, which to me was pretty mind-blowing. Tell us a little bit more about the black hole because it's huge in mass compared to the size of our sun. The black hole at the heart of M87 is actually 6.5 billion times the mass of the sun, and astronomers estimate that it's about the size of our solar system. So it's this incredibly dense object that's actually pretty small for how dense it is, which is why it can warp space-time the way that it does and basically power the engine of this galaxy that's, I think, about 55 million light-years from Mars. And then describe to us like what we're seeing in the picture, because in the picture, it looks like a fiery circle almost with a, a, you know, the black hole right in the middle. It's a little blurry. It's obviously, you know, (laughs) so far away. We're not going to get a clear HD picture of it or anything like that. But so just describe to us what people are looking at when they see this picture. So it's kind of a, a complicated way of being able to see a black hole. Basically, what we're seeing is what I like to think of as the shadow of a black hole. The bright circle around the black center is actually the matter and light that's orbiting and being heated by the black hole that's right at the edge of the event horizon, which is basically the point of no return with a black hole. So you have this edge that if you cross over it, you can't get out. Not even light can escape from the black hole at that point. So that circle of light that you see around the center dark is basically just superheated matter and light 
that's circling this black hole before it's going to fall into it and, right. and never be seen again. It's either going to fling out further into the, into space or get consumed into the black hole. What is the big picture of this now? Because we've had evidence of black holes for a long time now. Uh, you can see the way other stars circle around it and the way space interacts with where there is no light, basically, leading to that evidence. And, you know, this goes all the way back to Albert Einstein, who predicted this with his theories of gravity and relativity and whatnot. So uh, what's the bigger picture now that we actually have this picture? What is this going to mean for future space investigations? So now we can start to look a little bit past Einstein in a lot of ways. So you have Einstein, who has, his theories on gravity have continued to be proved out. I mean, this is just the latest test that general relativity has passed. But now we're sort of at the edge of general relativity. There are a lot of questions about how gravity works on very small scales. And being able to investigate black holes like this is going to allow us to look at it on this grand scale, but also be able to understand how these objects work on smaller scales. So you have some of the center of uh, galaxies, and scientists now think that they probably power and shape the galaxies around them. So by being able to study them using these radio telescopes, we should be able to continue to learn more about even just the basics of how a black hole works, which we still don't totally understand. The Event Horizon Telescope group hopes to have a few more telescopes in place in the next few years. I know that they're also trying to take pictures of the black hole that they think is in our own galaxy in the Milky Way. So they, I, I don't know if they have pictures of that already and they're still putting that data together, but the, people are expecting some of that also. I've read all sorts of stuff and just kind of exciting things and how excited people get when they see news of this. They're saying things like, oh, well, this leads to other stuff. Can we discover wormholes now? And, you know, all this big science fiction, deep space stuff, just because now we're able to kind of finally put our eyes on the shadow of this black hole. This does open up the opportunity for us to get sharper and clearer images of these objects. I'm not really sure about a, a wormhole, right. <laughs> but we can definitely keep looking at these black holes to understand a little bit more about what these extreme objects are doing out in the universe and how they've actually shaped the universe around them. I mean, you hear cosmologists talk about it, and if you're doing a simulation of how the universe formed, which is something that you know big supercomputers can do these days, if you don't include black holes, then our universe doesn't make sense. And you can't actually recreate what we're seeing today without black holes. So they're just a fundamental part of the universe and how even why we're here, to be honest. So any advancement in understanding them is going to help us unlock whatever mysteries there may be <laughs> out there. Miriam Kramer, <laughs> space reporter at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen resigned and the U.S. Secret Service Director was also out. The changes are signaling a big shift in the priorities for the president to tougher enforcement at the border. As the acting head of the Department of Homeland Security will be Kevin McAleenan. He's the Customs and Border Protection Commissioner. Some people that have been floated around as possible replacements at DHS are Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach, Department of Energy Secretary Rick Perry, and even former Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli. We spoke to Steve Gregory, he's a national correspondent for iHeartMedia, to discuss the current changes at DHS and also the president's latest trip to the southern border. It happened on a Sunday afternoon, and it was one of those where she kind of saw the writing on the wall. She'd been bumping heads with the president for quite some time. I mean, even after her sort of mentor, John Kelly, left as chief of staff, 
She remained on. And the news even then was that her time is limited. Limited. She was almost going to be leaving when John Kelly left. Because she had worked with John Kelly in the Bush administration. She very strong ties to John Kelly. And John didn't. John Kelly didn't leave on the best of terms either. So she was already sort of persona non grata when it came to how she was viewed by the president. Fast forward, as things started to happen, more and more families kept crossing illegally into the United States. Detention centers were overflowing. Border agents weren't getting the resources they needed. And this was all a reflection, in the president's opinion, a reflection on Kirsten Nielsen's job performance. And it's a tough thing because the Department of Homeland Security covers so many other aspects. Of course, yeah. Uh, but the border issue has become so central in the administration that, yeah, she was almost the fall guy for this. She was the face of the family separation policy, the no uh, zero tolerance policy. And this is all part of why she decided to leave or Slash well, fired. she sat before Congress a number of times having to defend the president's position on a lot of different issues having to do with the border and immigration. And you're right. The zero tolerance policy was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, because Nielsen in the beginning was not supportive of that. And she was also not supportive of closing the border. Right. Now, another controversial move that she made with, that didn't sit well with the president was when she suggested Ron Vidiello to take over as ICE commissioner. He's the deputy chief right now for ICE, and he too did not support closure of the border. So the president, basically, as we've all seen now, he makes these very harsh and rash decisions on his cabinet. And now the agency is without a full-time leader. Taking out Ron Vidiello from consideration for ICE director was also one of the things that pushed her in that direction. It just sets up Stephen Miller, senior White House advisor, who's very hawkish in a lot of immigration issues and has the ear of the president. It seems like he's calling a lot more of the shots there. Talk about who the acting director for the Department of Homeland Security will be now. Kevin McAleenan. And Kevin McAleenan, he is currently the commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. Now, they're the agency. A lot of people don't realize ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, that's all interior enforcement. Customs and Border Protection is everything that happens between the ports of entry. And the Immigration Customs Enforcement also handles customs issues, ports of entry. And as I mentioned, border in between there. So he comes from a very strong military background. He's been working in the agency now for quite some time. And he is well liked by the president. And he seems to be the guy that everyone likes. He's got friends on both sides of the aisle. He's got a lot of respect from everybody. So I don't know whether he'll want to go from being the commissioner of one arm of the agency to becoming the boss of the whole agency. Right. And I don't know if he wants the whole kit and caboodle. And and that's the thing. You know, it seems like the focus is all in on the border right now. And the president, obviously, it's his prerogative to get the people and as many allies as he can to enforce the policies that he wants to implement. But one of the reports are from NBC News was also that the president has been telling a lot of his aides that he wants to reinstitute family separations again. It was a losing issue when it happened. That's why he reversed the executive order and took it back. Obviously, we have the national emergency going on with the border wall so we can fund more stuff there. It's all these things that he wants to get done. He's got to get the people there to do it. But Some of these have already been losing issues, but he wants to press forward with them again. Two things. First of all, immigration, customs enforcement, Homeland Security, it is the most controversial agency in the U.S. government, even more so than the IRS or Health and Human Services. It is the most hotly contested issue in our U.S. government right now. The president, he has to balance with what he thinks is best for the nation and with what his voters want. Remember, a lot of what he's doing is to satisfy his voter base because he made promises 
And he's trying to do everything in his power to keep those promises. He is a president who is very intent on keeping a lot of promises right. and, and making it a big deal when he does even the smallest incremental amounts of it saying, I am keeping these promises. But the reality of being able to achieve those promises is a different story. Right. And at a time when his party ruled both the House and the Senate, it could have been the time that he could have gotten a lot of this stuff done, but it would appear that they were not prepared for a lot of his changes as well. So immigration in its current form will never be solved in my lifetime. It's the only story I've covered in my 25 years I've been covering immigration that has more than two sides to it. And that leads us to the the next thing. You've been covering the border for many years now. You were at the border over the weekend when the president went to Calexico. Tell us how that visit went. And then just talking to border officers, how they feel about the trajectory that the president is taking. Well, obviously, border agents, the boots on the ground are going to be hugely supportive because this is the first time in agents that I have spoken with say they finally feel like they have a president who supports them. They felt like in the past with Obama and with Bush in some manner that the agency didn't feel that the presidents had their back. And especially, as I mentioned, being the most controversial agency in the government, it's different for them than a beat cop. Right. It's so different for them. They're living it day to day and dealing with the troubles. Well, international boundaries. Right. That's a whole new world. And whether it's Canadian border or Mexican border, it's, it's a whole different world down there. And the agents themselves feel like they're finally getting support, but in name only. They still don't have a lot of resources. They still don't have a lot of mechanics. They don't have the fencing that's going up down there that I saw is 30 foot high now, which is just a far cry from the 15 foot high fence that was going on. When you see the 15 foot high fence, you're thinking, well, that's, you know, that's kind of big until you see the 30 foot high fence. (laughs) And then you see the razor wire or concertina wire stranded across the top and you're like, wow, no one's going to be able to get over that. Yeah. And you'll always get people that are going to try or even maybe succeed, but the new setup of the walls with the concertina wire on the bottom and the top of the wall, it does seem pretty tough well, to mount. I go back to what the former Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano said. She was also former governor of Arizona. She said, it doesn't matter how high you build the fence. You build a 30-foot high fence, someone's going to build a 31-foot ladder. Right. So I'm looking at this 30-foot high fence. Great. Yeah, someone's going to get over it. But it's that drop down that's going to make the difference. <laughs> right, exactly. See what happens on the other side. And how about people there in the border town of Calexico? Because that was one of the other things. The president has said he was going to close down the southern border. Mm-hmm. He went back on that because a lot of his aides, a lot of people were saying this is going to be such an economic impact in this area right here and for the country at large. But in that area, it's going to cause so many more problems. Somebody got to him, it seems like, and he reneged on that. I was looking back historically, Oscar, and President Reagan actually shut the border down once many years ago after a border agent got shot and killed. As sort of a punishment to Mexico, he shut the border down. All the border entries across the southern border were closed for a few hours. Yeah. And he basically told Mexico, if you don't provide the shooter, this border staying closed. Within 36 hours, they provided the suspect. Wow. I look back at that now. So President Trump has been able to get Mexico to do what he's wanting them to do with just a mere threat of shutting the border down. And that's for Mexico to intercede and interdict these caravans that are coming up from Central America again. And he's starting to have an impact there. But if you look at it now, I think, and from what I've been talking to agents and customs agents as well, the president is not, he's still not opposed to shutting the border down or ports of entry. If you see that happening though, I suspect what you're going to see is pedestrian gates closed and probably half of the 
auto gates closed. I suspect that the trucking lanes will remain open and maybe one or two car lanes, probably the century lanes, which are the express lanes. Those will probably remain open so that it won't be fully closed, but commerce will still be able to flow. Right. And that's the important part right there, keeping that commerce flowing. In your many years of covering immigration and the border, what do you think one of the most effective ways of deterring large amounts of immigrants coming to the United States? Before, it was a system where there was mostly Mexican men coming over for work and they passed laws to be able to deport them quickly. The situation has changed now. It's many more families with children. They're coming from Central American companies. They're doing the whole large caravans. And I know that's what the president sees and he doesn't like it. You know, it's like you have all this opportunity to stop these people from getting to the states where we do have an overtaxed immigration system. There's just not enough resources for it. And I know the family separations issue is an attempt to deter people. The same thing with closing the border. What do you think will be one of the most effective ways to get it to the these immigrants that it's really tough to get in the U.S. They're waiting in Mexico now. Family separation may have been used by Trump for a deterrent tool, but family separations is actually a security issue. I've been to detention centers and I've seen how they are separated in these warehouse structures and facilities that were not built and equipped to handle copious amounts of people. You have to keep mothers away from fathers. You have to keep children away from fathers because the fathers are in pins with other fathers or they're in facilities with other men. You can't put eight-year-old and nine-year-old girls in the same pin as 35-year-old men. There's just no reason for it. So family separation was going on back in the Reagan administration. The last time I went to a facility was during the Obama administration in 2014 in Nogales, Arizona. And I saw that with my own eyes. And they had separated families. And there was also a separate section for pregnant girls. There were nine pregnant girls, girls, not women, girls, nine pregnant girls in one. And I say a cage because they look like it because it's chain link fence yeah, exactly. inside of a warehouse because that's the best, most you efficient a, way to get do it. A, the right picture angle. Yeah, it looks like a cage. It, right. And, and you sure. can say the cage and whatever. So you've got that. So to answer your question, though, I think I can't give you one answer. And I can only tell you based on what agents tell me. I am not an expert in deterring illegal right. immigration. That's not my, that's my focus. But I can tell you many years of talking to agents. First of all, they say walls are a great deterrent. Now, this 30-foot high wall, for instance, the sector chief for El Centro told us the other day that attacks on her agents are down 76% because of that wall. That's huge. And they've had no one trying to get in over the fence since they put it up. Now, that means they're going to keep pushing them further out to the edges. Right. So presumably that's why Trump wants a fence all across the southern border to eventually stop it. And another reason why the agents that he wanted to close the ports of entry is because he wanted to take those agents and put them over to take care of the families because they didn't have enough people to take care of these families. It's a system that's screwed up. The legal system is screwed up. It causes a bottleneck because yes. of the way our, our legal system works. It's snail's pace. Months we, and years for people to get through and it, it, for yeah. anything, for hearings with judges. Even. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. And the way that it's set up now, it's so easy to game the system. I mean, I'm hearing stories now coming out of the Yuma sector where a 14-year-old boy came up with this man and this woman and they processed them as a family. And then the 14-year-old boy was taken back down to the border and given to another man and woman. And then he comes up and then they claim family because... They don't keep biometrics on kids 14 and right. younger. So then the next so they're just using the next him. man and woman comes wow. up and the 14-year-old's parents are getting paid money to use this kid. Four times in a one-week period that the same 14-year-old came up with. Of course, that's a quote, air quote, parents. <laughs> and I don't know how much they're getting paid, but if finally some border agent figured it out. But there's no biometric information on this kid. Yeah. So the system itself, you got to go back to the beginning. Right. It's a complicated issue. Thank you for your insights on this. As I said, just doing this for years, I mean, it's so tough. And this is going to be one of the big issues. It's going to be a top priority for the administration 
going forward. It'll be an issue for the next election. It's never going to go away, really. In your lifetime, and you're half my age. Steve Gregory, national correspondent for iHeartMedia. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition.